BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Graham Ledger, and this is a special edition of the Ledger Report. You should not be using your profits to buy back stock or for dividends. Not now. Not while a war is raging. You should be using these record-breaking profits to increase production and refining. Invest in America. For the American people. Bring down the price you charge at the pump to reflect what you pay for the product. Stop tape. So many things wrong with this statement from Joe Biden, occupant of the Oval Office. Where'd he begin? As, as some uh, say on network television when they're being interviewed, there's a lot to unpack there, so I'll begin unpacking here. Uh, first of all, what war is raging? Is there a time on the planet when there hasn't been a war, at least in the modern era, going on somewhere, someplace? How exactly is in the war in Ukraine affecting you. It's not. They're making it the wag the dog moment here to cover for an administration that isn't incompetent. A lot of people believe that the Biden administration, whether it is legitimate or not, it is still, quote, the Biden administration, that it's incompetent. There is certainly an element of that, but it's because they appear to be incompetent due to their radical agenda. With, which is the antithesis of what our free market system in this country is built upon. The war in Ukraine is a flea on the back of the world and the world economy. Sure, Putin is affecting all kinds of issues, primarily regarding gas and oil in primarily Europe, but that's because Europe is shooting itself in the foot. Europe has painted itself into a political corner. And now the folks in Germany are going to pay the price this winter, aren't they? This could be, I don't know. What issue is it going to take for people to wake up? Apparently it didn't work with COVID. Apparently it didn't work shutting down people's lives and killing grandma and grandpa and making businesses go out of business, screwing up the supply chain. That is why the supply chain, one of the reasons why the supply chain is so screwed up. It's one of the reasons why we have inflation. You can't take a free market system, which is now global. Our free market system has spread its tentacles globally. You know, it wasn't this way necessarily 100 years ago, but it is now. And so now we are interdependent on each other, unfortunately. And we're interdependent too much on China. And during COVID, we found out how dependent we are on China for certain things, certain crucial Infrastructure, national security items like antibiotics. 90, 95% of all antibiotics in this country is manufactured in China. I'm sorry, 
But when that statistic came out, I said, whoa, red flag moment. Are we going to allow China to build our tanks and airplanes? Same thing with antibiotics. You can't have 90, 95% of antibiotics made in the country that is your enemy. Are you out of your, did anything change due to that fact? No, no. So the, the United States free market economy in a positive sense has spread around the world. And so when supply chains get messed up because countries, especially in Asia, shut down, that has too many people chasing too few goods is a textbook reason for inflation. But in the end, it's not because of the free markets, it's because of government. It's because of radicals and bureaucrats and members, charter members of the swamp like Joe Biden. They don't know what they're doing. And his statement, this short little 20 second clip, is so ignorant, is so economically illiterate that it's stunning. Now, is it economically Ill illiterate? Now, that's the initial knee jerk, right? Or are they preying upon the fact that most Americans don't even understand what he's saying? They don't even know what a stock buyback is. It used to be that a stock buyback was a good thing, right? Because the company is investing in itself, brings fewer shares of its stock out on the market, pulls them back in, makes the existing shareholders more robust, makes the company more healthy. Now, all of a sudden, you're evil if you do a stock buyback. And again, preying upon the ignorance of the American people, not even realizing that their 401ks, their IRAs, and whatever retirement plans they have, for example, CalPERS in California, how many of those investment vehicles have companies that do stock buybacks? Oh, virtually all of them. <laughs> so when Joe comes out and says most Americans um, don't benefit from a stock buyback is a lie. We benefit, if not directly as shareholders, indirectly because of a healthy company is part of a healthy economy. We have it upside down right now. And so for Joe Biden then to play economist, Milton Friedman somewhere out there is spinning in his grave when he hears Joe Biden say, instead of doing stock buybacks, you need to lower the price of your product. <laughs> it's, so, it's such an economic non sequitur. One of the key reasons, Joe Biden, which he may know, and again, maybe he's just lying. He's preying upon the American people and their ignorance collectively. One of the reasons why gasoline prices are higher than they could be, especially in California, is because we haven't built a refinery in this country since the 1970s. What was the population, Graham, in the 1970s? It was about 200 million. So our population has increased legal Americans somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 million, legal plus illegal Americans, somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 million now, right? So it's increased about 130 million. So we've added 100 to 130 million people who potentially can drive a car 
or at least say half, all right, for the sake of argument, yet we haven't built refineries for any oil that we can produce. Now, producing and, and searching for oil, that's another issue, right? Keystone Pipeline, this guy is doing everything he can to keep his jack-booted shoe on the throat of American Petroleum. And oh, by the way, the administration's sending signal after signal after signal that 10 years from now, Shell Oil and uh, all the other petroleum companies, Chevron, what have you, you're not going to be in existence 10 years from now. So why would you take that money that you're doing a stock buyback and invest it in a project that takes, oh, five to 10 years to develop? when the signal is pretty clear from Washington, D.C. that they don't want you around and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that you're not around in the next 10 years. <laughs> so, makes perfect sense, right? So Joe Biden wants to lower the price by releasing some strategic, millions of gallons of strategic oil, which, by the way, our strategic reserves are depleted, to really an alarming number now. The strategic reserve is not intended for politics, and yes, this is politics. The strategic reserve is intended for a national security. It's like dipping into your nest egg to go take a cruise, go on vacation somewhere. It's not what it's intended for, is it? Your nest egg is intended for a major purchase. Maybe some calamity maybe happens. It's an investment in your future. It's not something at the moment. And so this is what Joe Biden is doing. We haven't built a refinery in this country since the 1970s. Now, I went to a state university in Southern California, so it takes me a little bit of time to do the math. But that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 years. Five, oh, 50 years. Adding 100 million to 130 million people, many of whom are potential drivers. You've created a bottleneck. Right? So we, potentially, XL Pipeline, all these things could open up and you still have the same bottleneck. You still have the refinery problem. And when you're California, not only is it a refinery problem, but then they have all of these mandates that other states don't have, that you have to have a certain kind of blend of gasoline in the summertime versus the wintertime, and all these other additives in there that, again, other states don't. That's why California is paying 6 $7 a gallon. That plus the gas tax in California is over a dollar. And so they're punishing, this is by design in California. This is what Joe Biden wants to bring to all 50 states, not just California. They want pain at the pump. They want you not to travel. They want you to stay in your urban areas. This is why the push for high gas in California and electric vehicles that you can't charge in California we're starting to hear the nightmarish stories here and there of, of people buying an all-electric vehicle and trying to travel a 200-mile route and it takes them like three days. It's like, it's like we've gone back to the covered wagon. But that's exactly what they, the radicals, want. They want to take us back to the, quote, Stone Age. But in this case, it would be pre-industrial revolution times. Why? Graham, why do they want to take us back there? Control. Control. They want, they, the radical Marxists, want all of us to live in urban areas where we don't have use of a car and we're reliant upon public transportation, bicycles, or walk. 
That's what they want. I tell my friends in California that it is coming. I can see it like a freight train coming right down the tracks at them. And that is your freedom, your freedom of movement. Freedom and movement are hand in glove. The freedom of movement is not enshrined in the Constitution because the framers never thought we would have to enshrine it in there. They never could have imagined the moment we're in where movement, freedom of movement, is being curtailed, especially in California. This is the goal, to jam those 10 million people in L.A. County and have them stuck there, not being able to flee, not being able to leave and move to Arizona or Nevada or Florida or Texas. They're stuck. That's the goal. All the while turning up the heat more and more and more and creating a state in the end that's going to be the land of haves and have-nots. California is fast approaching that. It'll be there in earnest. It's, it's there to a certain degree. How is a young person going to be able to buy a house in California, say a 25-year-old, like my daughter, when the median price is $900,000? Where are they going to come up with just the down payment? And then you've got a mortgage left over of, what, six, near $700,000 at whatever the interest rates are now, 5%, 6%. How are they going to afford that? How, how is somebody who's worked for 30 years going to afford that? So Joe Biden is doing this for political reasons and political reasons only. He's trying to pull uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat. I'm not a good soothsayer. I'm not in the prediction business. I can't tell you who's going to win the election, but I can tell you a rigged election, and that's what Joe Biden is trying to do here. He's trying to come off as, hey, I'm helping, I'm helping lower the price of gas, therefore I'm a good guy, therefore you should vote for the Democrats. It's not going to work, and we know it's not going to work, but that's what he's doing. And even the mainstream media had some rather pointed questions for him after this dog and pony show. This is why we have inflation. We have inflation for one reason and one reason only, because of government. Again, Milton Friedman would tell you that. How and why does inflation ever exist? Government. Because government is screwing with the free markets. That's why we have inflation. Government has screwed with the free markets now for, well, some people would tell you 20, maybe going on 30 years. And the Federal Reserve is partially, huge part to blame on this. By pumping dollars into the economy and having drastically, artificially low interest rates for now 10, 15 years. I said it, oh, seven, eight years ago, uh, talking to my financial team on the air. I said, when you pump dollars into economy, I mean, basic economics tells me at some point you're going to have inflation. They would say, yes, at some point we're going to have inflation. Well, here we are. But it's not just the Fed. It's, it's monetary policy. It's fiscal policy as well. And this out-of-control spending, our, our national debt at $31 trillion right now, and no one seems to care except me. I watch the debt clock because I am concerned about it. Because I know in the end, if this debt clock continues to spin like a top, like it is now, 
we gained another trillion dollars in debt in six months in this year. In six months, we gained a trillion dollars in debt. Added on to the $30 trillion, now we're at $31 trillion. The out-of-control spending in Washington, D.C. is driving up inflation. Of course it is. And then throw in there the government response, the multiple government response to a virus. Shutting down economies, shutting down lives, literally killing people. That's why we are where we are. It's, it's economic chaos right now. And frankly, I don't know that the genie ever gets back in the bottle, but damn it, we're going to try. And that's why we're here. I want to remind my friends who often say publicly, and some of them are rather influential friends, that they still believe there might not be an election in, in November. And I say to myself, I don't often argue with them in public, but I will tell you publicly that I think that's a huge mistake to say that. Because that feeds into what the radicals want. They want us to be discouraged. They want us to be not engaged. They want us to go, oh, oh, God, no election. Oh. Shoulders hunched, right? There's going to be an election in November, okay? I guarantee it. And God bless you for including some of my close friends who are involved in the electoral process who are volunteering or actually getting paid to be a poll worker because that's part of the solution. Absolutely 100% part of the solution, at least on the micro level. At the macro level, you know where I stand on this. It's very simple. Again, the framers of the Constitution would have never anticipated this, but we need a constitutional amendment that delineates our electoral process. The framers in Article 1 made it rather vague. And then in Article 2, again, same thing, vague. Rather vague about the electoral process. And they, they largely gave the powers, not largely, basically 100% to the states. They never would have anticipated these electronic voting machines and how they can potentially be hijacked. They never could have anticipated the level of deceit and willingness to cheat that some members of a certain party on the electoral landscape are willing to do in order to remain in power, in order to effectively make more money. Because what is, what is power? Why do the Democrats care about power? Well, look at Nancy Pelosi. Don't look too long because you'll turn to stone. But... Look at the amount of money. I think it was $180 million she's made while she's been a member of Congress. And all these stock deals that her husband had done, you know, just before they're about to issue legislation. Oh, no, it's just a coincidence. So money is power. And cheating is rampant. And there's only one way to fix this, and that's a constitutional amendment. The, the only way to fix this country, frankly, is, is the Constitution and in large part, constitutional amendments. The courts are not the root. I'm sorry. I have good friends who are suing regarding electoral malfeasance, and I support them, but it's not the root, largely because the framers of the Constitution didn't give the third branch government any power here. It didn't give them any domain here. So the courts either don't want to get involved at all, or they'll nibble at the edges and never get to the root of the problem. And these people 
over the last two years who have said, we need to have a case go to the Supreme Court and have the Supreme Court decide it. I, I don't believe, and again, I'm not trying to make a, a prognostication here, but I don't believe that's ever going to happen. Just because of the, the makeup of the courts. Just because of the roots of the Constitution, which give the courts no role, none whatsoever, uh, in the electoral process. So we need a permanent solution. One election day, polls close at 8 o'clock local time, and if you're not in line, sorry, you can't vote. You got to have voter ID. And oh, if you want to vote absentee, aka mail-in, fine, but you have to have it notarized. You don't have to have an excuse. You don't have to have a letter from your doctor or why it has to be. You have to have it notarized. And if you can't have it notarized, sorry. Then you need to go and bring your butt down to the poll and vote. No more of this. If you're incapacitated and you can't vote, then you're incapacitated and you can't vote. You're not disenfranchised. You're incapacitated. And that's life. In... Fourth grade, if I didn't have a homework assignment, the teacher didn't say, oh, well, don't worry about it, I'll still give you an A. No, you didn't complete the assignment for whatever reason. You know, I could, the dog ate my homework, right? But you're still, you're still going to be penalized. Now, the most intelligent thing I've heard in terms of what you and I can do at a very simple, granular level in terms of keeping the election as fair as possible and shielded from electronic malfeasance as much as possible. And electronic malfeasance, I mean like algorithms and these computers that come in there and start tabulating who's winning in a race and how many votes are needed. One of the ways that we can mitigate that at least somewhat is to vote on election day. And so it's the opposite of what Mayor Daley said in Chicago, right? So many years ago, vote early and vote often. I used to say that jokingly. That was years ago. Now it's painful because it's so accurate, right? Vote early and vote often. Mayor Daley, of course, was renowned for cheating and having dead people vote. It was a joke back then in Chicago. Now, unfortunately... What happened in Chicago has spread like a cancer throughout this country. So we had dead people voting in Arizona, for example, which was completely ignored or poo-pooed by the mainstream media during the Arizona audit. It was not enough to affect the outcome. How do you know? <laughs> and even if, you, even if it wasn't enough to affect the outcome, so it proves there's election malfeasance. It proves that that could be just the tip of the iceberg, and indeed it was, according to the Arizona audit. The best advice is to vote in person. This is something we all can do. Vote in person, not early in person. Vote in person on election day. Plan your day around it. You know, sometimes there are lines. And, okay, so, you know, bring your phone and check your emails. Or bring a book. Or, I was going to say Walkman. Nobody... <laughs> Nobody has a Walkman anymore, Graham. You're dating yourself. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, iTunes, I, I, uh, I, 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 not iPad, they don't, iPod. I was trying to buy an iPod not too long ago. They don't even really make them anymore. I used to like my iPod. No, now it's all the phone. 
So bring your music, okay? And vote in person. Do not vote early. Do not vote often. The best way I have heard to help fight back and to keep our elections clean is to vote on election day just like we did a hundred years ago, just like we did 50 years ago, you know, just like your parents did before all this craziness set in of electronic machines and then mailing in this and stuffing that and putting the, you know, pulling baskets out from underneath. Yes, we have to end this and I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it, but we can all do our part by voting in person on election day. That is my singular point. So do the opposite of what Mayor Daley said. Don't vote early. Don't vote often. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, evil can only prevail when good is silent.